you'll find the passage in Ecclesiastes 10. And while you're getting there, I want to say I got five pages of notes. I don't know what a word of it means. <laughs> I'm terrified. And I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> but I'm thankful that I don't have to know what I'm doing because I've got a God who can help me through it. Amen. Um, it says in Ecclesiastes 10, um, Dead flies cause the ointment of the apocryphy to send forth a stinking savor. So doeth the little folly that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. Um, I want to preach on, um, don't let your guard down. Yeah. Um, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you today for the opportunity to come and preach your word. Please help me. I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help, and I can't do this without you. Please um, only allow me to say what you'd have me to say, and Please don't let me say anything you wouldn't want me to. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, I'd like to point the attention to verse 2 in this chapter. I'm just going to read the entire chapter, but I didn't think anyone wanted to sit through that. <laughs> um, it says, A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. Um, I wanted, the first thing I wanted to point out in this verse is um, the importance of the heart. In Proverbs 4, 23, it says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Right. If the issues of, issues of life is a big thing. Right. And so the heart's a big thing. 1 Kings 8, 61, it says, Let your heart therefore be perfect with the Lord our God, to walk in his statutes and keep his commandments as at this day. So we need to keep our heart right, and um, we're to um, not want. The th we're supposed to be separate from the world, and that includes our heart or our wants. And um, I wrote this down in Matthew six twenty one, for where your treasure is, so there will well there will your heart be also. Um, and this answers a question: is where is your heart truly? And um, I thought about this, since it's saying your heart is where your treasure is, where's your treasure? Yeah. Your treasure can be your time, money, effort, care, and work. And um, it's what do you constantly think about? Is it job, school, friends, games, or is it God? Does God have your full attention? Does God have everything from you? We have to give God our heart because he can watch over it in the way it should be. Because we will fail, and that's why we need God. And um, I thought about this, and where your treasure is, what, what do you choose on a daily? Would you rather go fishing or read your Bible? Would you rather play sports or go witnessing? Would you rather pick up the controller than to study and get closer to God? And... Um, it says in Deuteronomy 6, 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. All means all. There's, there's nothing left for anything else. And Because um, if you give anything else, the devil will take it. I read on a church sign once. Um, 
if you give a devil an inch, he'll become your ruler. Yeah. And so we got to protect our heart. And that's why you can't let your guard down on it. And um, it always starts with one thing. The heart stands for the, our wants. It starts with um, one time, one drink, one smoke, one time not reading your Bible, one compromise on doctrine. And it leads into a spiral. Yeah. If you're somewhere and it's if you're somewhere you shouldn't be, it's usually traceable back to when you compromised for your wants instead of God's wants. Um, the heart is a very valuable thing to us, and we can't afford to lose it. it it's a huge um, thing for witnessing and soul winning. If you go out there and you want the things of the world, like say you always go to the bad movies or you play the bad games or you hang around for the bad parties after sports, the world's going to see you as just another one of them. Yep. The second thing I want to see in this um, verse is the importance of the hand. It says, a wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. Um, in Psalms eighty nine thirteen, it says, Thou hast a mighty arm, strong is thy hand, and high is thy right hand. In Psalms 118, 16, it says, The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. And um, um, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> um, and we know when Stephen was being stoned in Acts 7:55, it says, But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. So it's pretty easy to see how important the right hand is when, it, when the Bible continuously says how high and mighty his right hand is. And for it to be where Jesus stands, it's got to be something important. It's a place of honor and attention, a place of respect and reverence, a place of skill, precision, and care. I thought about this. Imagine you had a jewel of unimaginable worth, and you were going to take it to the jewelers to turn in because of a catch. It, anything that attacks it, it's very fragile, and it could shatter like it. Uh, any like interaction with something, and if you turn this into the jewel, you're going to get money beyond your imagination. Are you? How many of us, by show of hands, are going to walk on our way to the jewelers, throwing it around, experimenting to see what will chip it, and like who's going to do that? Nobody. If we're willing to go to such measures for just a quick buck, then how much should how much more should we do for our heart? It says a wise man holds his heart in his right hand because he he wants that to be his main thing of focus. He wants that to be the thing he cares about the most because he knows how much of a attack point that is, and he knows how valuable it is. It says in the verse I read earlier. It says. From it come the um, issues of life. If you're, if the issues of life come from it, we we have to guard it. And um, 
We should watch it with all diligence. We should make sure nothing happens to our heart. Um, last thing for this verse is our, I saw the importance of the humans for alliteration's sake. <laughs> um, it says, a wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. There's two types of men here. There's a wise man and a fool. The wise man holds it in his right hand, and the fool holds it in his left. In Proverbs 22.3, got this from Zeke. It says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. That word prudent is a synonym for wise. The, the wise man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. He can see that this is going to be something that the devil's going to attack. And so he protects it. He makes sure that he knows it's okay. And the fool pass on and are punished. It says the fool's heart is at his left. He's holding it in his left hand. He thinks that he's good enough. He doesn't have to keep his maintenance on his heart. He thinks that he can withstand any kind of thing, any attack, just casually. And so and it goes out of his main focus and goes into just some negatory position. And that leaves him open. And so he is attacked because it's a very important tool for witnessing and living our daily lives. Um, when, he, when you get... When you, when he attacks your heart, you lose your joy and your walk with God. And so you don't want to do that. And it can, uh, it can affect your witness. It, it can damage how good of a witness you can have. Because if, if people see you and you're wanting the things of this world, just like everyone else, no one's going to be like, he's different. No one's going to think that he is something special. They're going to say he's the same, so why should I change? And so we, must, we can't let our guard down on our heart because it's very important. Secondly, um, this is in verses, well, this is in verse 20, is your mouth or your words. In Ecclesiastes 10.20, it says, Curse not the king, no not in thy thought, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber. For, for a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. I know that reading was kind of choppy. So um, what it's basically saying is don't, don't like talk behind someone's back because it will be shown you, that you will be found out. And um, Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Whether that person you're talking bad about hears you then or ever, the Lord hears you, and that's what really matters. Um, Luke twelve two says, "For nothing is covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known." Numbers thirty two twenty three says, "But if you will, if you, but if you, uh, <laughs> if, but if ye will not do so, behold." Ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. It, we've just read a bunch of verses that says it's not going to stay hidden. 
and that it will come to light. We should speak, we should be in secret what we'd be in public. Because when you're alone and you're in a secret place, it shows you how you really deal with things, what you really are, how you really deal with temptation. We should speak in secret just as we would speak to someone we respect or someone we love. Because God's always listening. Um, I thought of about some examples of this was Esther. Some two, I think it's two or something men, were planning to kill the king. And they were talking about it. And someone overheard them. His name was Mordecai. He told Esther. And Esther told the king. And so their, their plotting and conniving was found out. And what was in secret was brought to light. The other example I thought of was Judas. Um, he was secretly speaking to priests. He was and trying to exchange Jesus for money. And then in the Lord's Supper... He got called out by Jesus because Jesus knew, and he called him out in front of everyone. And um, so I forgot to say the name of that. <laughs> that was um, how we speak in secret. The other thing I thought about for the mouth of words was the way we speak in society. And it's in verse 10, not 10, 12 through 14. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is mischievous madness. A fool also is full of words. A man cannot tell what shall be and what shall be after him. Who can tell him? So we once again, we see two men, the wise man and the fool. The wise man's words are gracious. The wise man's words are important. Whereas the fool's words, the way he speaks, he can be identified as a fool because he contradicts himself. He is constantly speaking, and he just rattles on. But what I'm trying to get to is we should speak in a way that says we're Christians. We should speak in a way that shows Christ through us. We, should, we shouldn't curse or be swift to anger. Um, we shouldn't be rude, we shouldn't bully people, because how we speak really affects how people look on us. The tongue is a powerful weapon, so we have to watch it. And um, we live in a world where that stuff, cursing, anger, is just commonplace. And so it's easy to grow accustomed to it. But we can't, because it can change the way you are viewed and how, you, how your witness works. For instance, um, Peter. Most of the time when you say Peter to someone, what they think is, is a sailor or when he um, rejected God three times. The way he spoke permanently affected the way he was viewed. And... If you're sitting there trying to witness at your job or at your school and you cuss or you're even just mean to people through your words, people aren't going to take you seriously because you're the same as them, if not worse. 
So what's the difference? Why should I go and do those things? So the tongue is also a super powerful weapon in um, witnessing, obviously because you have to talk to them. But, <laughs> um, but if we lose the way we speak with our tongue and we get a bad reputation for the way we speak, we, people won't take you seriously and people won't consider what you're saying. They'll just knock it off because you're not different. So that's why we can't let our guard down on our tongue because one little slip up and you're like that. Peter, that was one night. And that's what he's known for 2,000 years from then. And um, the last thought I had was your testimony or your witness. Um, it's in verse 1. It says, Dead flies cause the ointment of the apocryphy to send forth a stinking savor. So doeth a little folly that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. So someone with that's known for wisdom and honor. Just a little folly can change that. Um, your testimony is one of the most powerful weapons for witnessing because how can you expect to have someone else make their own story when you don't have one of your own to share? I found that when you're witnessing to people, they'll either ask you or it's just a good idea to tell them how you got saved because it helps them relate. And then a lot of the times they'll respond a lot better when they know that, when they know your story. It's a huge, powerful weapon. And, but the problem is it's super easy to lose and hard to regain. One mess up is all it takes because the world will see your one mess up and make it your entire actions one just one thing like oh he went to a party where there was drinking or he said a bad word once or he he like was okay with failing in a class or he was okay with not doing his job to his fullest potential they see that and then they and then when you try and witness to them they'll laugh at you because they'll think this guy's Again, not any different, if not worse. And so, um, in Mark four nineteen, it says, And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. These things, they kill your testimony, and a testimony is so hard to regain. It, will, it can take years, if ever, to build back that testimony with your coworkers or your schoolmates. Jared always tells a story in Sunday school class how um, the, a bunch of girls asked this one girl, I don't remember how it exactly goes, but um, they asked her, why won't you drink? Or like, why won't you say a bad word? And she says, because... Um, I can become like you guys in an instant, but you can't become like me in an instant. And 
you have to guard your testimony. It is a necessity because any slip-up changes your reputation. And I'm just going to name some things here, and you'll see what I mean. Thomas, doubting Thomas. Peter, denying Peter. Judas, Judas. <laughs> Jonah, he didn't like Nineveh and so had to sit in the whale for three days. Samson, he liked girls. <laughs> and David, he liked girls. <laughs> but <laughs> there's so many examples of this. And I'm not going to list them all because it would take forever. But, and like, I guarantee you when I said names like Thomas, you thought about doubting Thomas or Judas. I don't think he needs an explanation. But, I mean, when you hear Thomas, you don't think about any witnessing or any works that he did for God. You think about how he doubted. Mm -hmm. And so you have to guard that. Because you don't know how much it could change how people look at you. And so, um, I was singing about, I'm explaining why you should keep your guard up. I'm explaining why, but I never explained what we're keeping our guard against. And, and that is Satan. Satan, the flesh, his devils. They, can't, they just want to kill, steal, and destroy. They don't, they're not going to help you. And they just, they know how powerful these weapons, the, the, um, the mouth, the heart, and your witness are. And so they'll do anything to get rid of it because if they can take that away from you, it can leave you almost helpless. He, it goes back to that, um, if you give him an inch, he'll be your ruler he'll keep gaining more and more inches. It's, it goes back to that. It takes one thing, one acceptance, one, like, one, I forgot the word. <laughs> um, one just forgetting to read your Bible, and before you know it, you haven't read it in a month. He wants to invade and take these weapons, so we must keep our guard up from him. And he knows how important these weapons and tools are to combat him because it's, it's so powerful against him and he can't, he can't do anything when you use those against it. And that's what wins souls. And he doesn't want that. But I know you could probably be thinking, wow, that's a lot to, that's not even all of it, but that's a lot to keep your guard up against and a lot to fight off and, I mean, Satan, that's a big guy. Well, just as much as there's Satan, someone we like to call Satan, there's someone I like to call the Savior. <laughs> and he'll help us keep our guard up. He'll forgive, he'll forgive us and help us back up when we fail to keep our guard up. He provides the armor of God to help us protect against these things and to help us fight back. So you must be strong with your walk with God so you can hear him and hear his guidance. It's like, imagine you play football 
and you have access to this guy who has won every game he's ever played in. He played in the NFL, and he's here to coach you, and he knows exactly every team's flaws. You want to be next to him so you can hear those things that he has to say, so you can hear the weaknesses in the team. It's easier to notice attacks on those things when you're next to him because when you're not next to him, everything just blends together. So, in conclusion, it is imperative that we keep these weapons in our arsenal because without these, the heart, the mouth, the testimony, or our wants, our words, and our witness, it is very, very hard to win souls for Christ. And that's exactly what the devil wants. How can we expect to fight him without some kind of weapon? We, we need those. And we have to stay close to God because the, the arm of flesh will fail you. You need him because he won't fail you. So, and when you're close to God, he'll teach you how to use these tools to its maximum potential. And so you can be the most impactful impact that you could be. And so please stay close to God. Use these tools and don't let your guard down on them. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you today. Thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. I pray that it goes and helps somebody out there. I don't know who it will help, but I pray it helps someone. And I pray that you go with us and help us as we live our daily lives. Jesus, I pray. Amen.